0: CHAPTER Twenty Four OF THE HOUSE OF WHISPERS BY WILLIAM LACROY. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. WHEN GREEK MEETS GREEK. On their left were several white villas, before which pink and scarlet geraniums ran riot, with spreading mimosas golden with their feathery blossom, for ospedaleti, makes a frantic, if vain, bid for popularity as a winter resort. Its deadly dullness, however, is too well known for the habitui of the riviera and its casino which never obtained a license imparts to it the air of painful effort at gaiety well remarked the shabby man as they passed along and out upon the sea road in the direction of Bordighera. i always looked upon what the people at acteradar said regarding the whispers as a mere myth but now having heard them with my own ears how can i have further doubt "'I've listened in the castle ruins a good many times, my dear Crail,' replied the other, "'but I've never heard anything more exciting than an owl. "'Indeed, Lady Hayburn and I, when there was so much gossip about the strange noises some two years ago, "'set to work to investigate. "'We went there at least a dozen times, but without result. "'Only both of us caught bad colds.' "'Well,' exclaimed Crail, I used to ridicule the weird stories I heard in the village about the devil's whisper, and all that. But by mere chance, I happened to be at the spot one bright night, and I heard distinct whisperings, just as had been described to me. They gave me a very creepy feeling, I can assure you. Bosh! Now, do you believe in ghosts, you man of the world that you are? My dear Felix? No, most decidedly I don't. Then what you've heard is only an imagination. Depend upon it. The supernatural doesn't exist in Glencardine, that's quite certain, declared Flockhart. The fact is that there's so much tradition and legendary lore connected with the old place, and its early owners were such a set of bold and defiant robbers, that for generations the peasantry have held it in awe. Hence all sorts of weird and terrible stories have been invented and handed down." until the present age believes them to be based upon fact. But, my dear friend, I actually heard the whispers, heard them with my own ears, Crail asserted. I happened to be about the place that night, trying to get a peep into the library, where Goslin and the old man were. I believe busy at work, but the blinds fitted too closely so that I couldn't see inside. The keeper and his men were, I knew, down in the village. Therefore I took a stroll towards the ruins, and as it was a beautiful night, I sat down in the courtyard to have a smoke. Then of a sudden I heard low voices quite distinctly. They startled me, for not until they fell upon my ears did I recall the stories told to me weeks before. If Stuart or any of the underkeepers had found you prowling about the castle grounds at that hour, they might have asked you awkward questions, remarked Flockhart oh laughed the other they all knew me as a visitor to the village fond of walking exercise i took very good care that they should all know me so that as few explanations as possible would be necessary as you well know the secret of all my successes is that i never leave anything to chance to go peeping outside the house and trying to look in at lighted windows sounds a rather injudicious proceeding his companion declared not if proper precautions are taken as i took them i was weeks in that terribly dull scotch village but nobody suspected my real mission i made quite a large circle of friends at the star who all believed me to be a foreign ornithologist writing a book upon the birds of scotland trust me to tell people a good story well exclaimed flockart after a long silence those whispers are certainly a mystery more especially if you've actually heard them on two or three occasions i've spoken to sir henry about them he ridicules the idea yet he admitted to me one evening that the voices had really been heard i declared that the most remarkable fact was the sudden death of each person who had listened and heard them it is a curious phenomenon which certainly should be investigated the inference is that i having listened to the ghostly voices "'Am doomed to a sudden and violent end,' remarked the shabby stranger quite gloomily. flockhart laughed. "'Really, Felix, this is too funny,' he said. "'Fancy you're taking notice of such old wives' fables. "'Why, my dear fellow, you've got many years of constant activity before you. "'You must return to Paris in the morning and watch in patience.' "'I have watched, but discovered nothing. "'Perhaps I'll come and assist you. Most probably I shall.' "'No, don't. As soon as you leave San Remo, Sir Henry will know, and he might suspect—' "'Suspect what?' "'That you are in search of the truth, and of fortune in consequence.' "'He believed in me. Only the other day I had a letter from him written in Goslin's hand, repeating the confidence he reposes in me.' "'Exactly. You must remain down here for the present.' Flockhart recollected the puzzling decision of Lady Hayburn, and remained silent. Our chief peril is still the one which has faced us all along, went on the man in the gray hat, the peril that the girl may tell about that awkward affair at Chantilly. She dare not, Flockhart assured him quickly. Frail shook his head dubiously. She's leading a lonely life. Her heart is broken, and she believes herself, as every other young girl does, to be without a future. Therefore she's brooding over it one never knows in such cases when a girl may fling all prudence to the winds he said if she did then nothing could save us that's just what her ladyship said the other day answered flockart tossing away his cigarette but you don't know that i hold her irrevocably she dare not say a single word if she dare why did she not tell the truth about the safe probably because it was all too sudden she now finds life in that dismal little village intolerable. She's a girl of spirit, you know, and has always been used to luxury and freedom. To live with an old woman in a country cottage away from all her friends must be maddening. No, my dear James, in this you've acted most injudiciously. You are devoid of your usual foresight. Depend upon it. A very serious danger threatens. She will speak. I tell you, she dare not. Rest your mind assured. She will she shall not how pray can you close her mouth asked the foreigner flockart's eyes met his in them was a curious expression almost a glitter Crayle understood he shrugged his shoulders but uttered no word his gesture was however that of one unconvinced adventurer as he was ingenious and unscrupulous he lived from hand to mouth sometimes he made a big coup and placed himself in funds but following such an event he was open-handed and generous to his friends extravagant in his expenditure and very soon found himself under the necessity to exercise his wits in order to obtain the next louis he had known flockart for years as one of his own class they had first met long ago on board a castle liner homeward bound from cape town where both found themselves playing a crooked game A friendship begotten of dishonesty had sprung up between them, and in consequence they had thrown in their lot together more than once with considerable financial advantage. The present affair was, however, not much to Crail's liking, and this he had more than once told his friend. It was quite possible that if they could discover the mysterious source of the blind man's wealth, they might, by judiciously levying blackmail through a third party, Secure a very handsome income which he was to share with Flockart and her ladyship. The last named, Crail, had always admitted to be one of the cleverest women he had ever met. His only surprise had been that she, as Sir Henry's wife, was unable to get at the facts which were so cleverly withheld. It only showed, however, that the baronet, though deprived of eyesight, was even more clever than the unscrupulous woman he had so foolishly married. Crail held Lady Hayburn in distinct distrust he had once had dealings with her which had turned out the reverse of satisfactory instinctively he knew that in order to save herself if exposure ever came she would give him away without the least compunction what had puzzled him for several years and what indeed had puzzled other people was the reason of the close friendship between flockhart and the baronet's wife it was certainly not affection he knew flockhart intimately And had knowledge of his private affairs. Therefore, he was well aware of the existence of an unknown and rather insignificant woman to whom he was in secret devoted. No, the bond between the pair was an entirely mysterious one. He knew that on more than one occasion, when Flockhart's demands for money had been a little too frequent, she had resisted and attempted to withdraw from further association with him. Yet, by a single word or even a look, he could compel her to disgorge the funds he needed. For she had even handed him some of her trinkets to Pawn, until she could obtain further funds from Sir Henry to redeem them. As they walked together along the white Cornish road, their faces set towards the gorgeous southern afterglow, while the waves lapped lazily on the grey rocks, all these puzzling thoughts recurred to Crayle. Lady Hayburn seems still to remain your very devoted friend, he remarked at last with a meaning smile. I see from the New York Herald what pleasant parties she gives and how she is the heart and soul of social merriment in san remo by jove james you're a lucky man to possess such a popular hostess as a friend yes laughed flockart winnie is a regular pal without her i should have been broken long ago but she's always ready to help me along people have already remarked upon your remarkable friendship said his friend and many ill-natured allegations have been made oh yes i'm quite aware of that my dear fellow it has pained me more than enough you yourself know that as far as affection goes i've never in my life entertained a spark of it for a winnie we were children together and have been friends always Quite so exclaimed Crail, smiling that's a pretty good story to tell the world but there's a point where mere friendship must break you know what do you mean asked the other glancing at him in surprise well the story you tell other people must be picturesque and romantic but with me it's just a trifle weak lady hayburn doesn't give her pearls to be pawned out of mere friendship you know flockart was silent he knew too well that the man walking at his side was as clever an intriguer and as bold an adventurer as ever had moved up and down europe working the game in search of pigeons to pluck his shabbiness was assumed he had alighted at Bordighera station from the rapide from paris spent the night at a third-rate hotel in order not to be recognized at the angst or any of the smarter houses and had met him by appointment to explain the present situation his remarks however were the reverse of reassuring what did he suspect i don't quite follow you Crail. flockart said i meant to imply that if friendship only links you with lady heyburn the chain may quite easily snap he remarked he looked at his friend much puzzled he could see no point in that observation Crail read what was passing in the other's mind and added i know mon cher ami that affection from her ladyship is entirely out of the question the gossips are liars and sir henry himself is quite aware of that i have already spoken quite plainly and openly to him and suggested my departure from glencardine on account of ill-natured remarks by her ladyship's enemies but he would not hear of my leaving and press me to remain crail looked up at him in blank surprise well he said if you've been bold enough to do this in the face of gossip then you're a much cleverer man than i ever took you to be for answer flockart took some letters from his breast pocket selected one written in a foreign hand and gave it to crail to read it was from the hermit of glencardine written at his dictation by m goslin and was couched in the warmest and most confidential terms. "'Look here, James!' exclaimed the shabby man, handing back the letter. "'I'm going to be perfectly frank with you. Tell me if I speak the truth or if I lie. It is neither affection nor friendship which links your life with that woman's. Am I right?' Flockhart did not answer, for some moments. His eyes were cast upon the ground. "'Yes, Crail,' he admitted at last when the question had been put to him a second time. "'Yes, Crail.' You speak the truth. It is neither affection nor friendship. End of chapter 24